A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, master of the palace, I will thrust you from your office and pull you down from your station. On that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and gird him with your sash and give, it, give over to him your authority. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place the key of J David on Eliakim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. in wisdom and knowledge of God, how inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given the Lord anything that he may be repaid? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? For many of us, this is a question we've heard over the years many times as it pertains to the revelation of God in Christ in the record of the Gospels. For those of us who have the privilege and the discipline of being able to celebrate the Holy Mass every day of the week, then you definitely have heard this pericope, this section of the Gospel of St. Matthew on more than one occasion, to the extent that we don't really allow what's being expressed to take full import, to understand the consequences of what is happening and why at this particular place does Jesus pose the question. Caesarea Philippi is the, 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 the actual physical location. It's this huge stone wall that it's like it almost like it's a it, it's a, a a boundary for that region and within the wall are niches in which they have several different pagan idols because remember the romans and the other nations of the world the gentile nations believed in more than one god and so it was a shrine of sorts and so here we have it in the 16th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. In fact, this is the midway point, if you will. And this, by scholars, is considered to be the, a climactic point. It is like a capstone point for the first part of the Gospel of St. Matthew. He's asking the question, and of course he asks, it's a general, well, who are the people saying that the Son of Man? In other words, who, who are they saying that I am? 
merely in the light of the human race, as a human being, who do they say I am? Now you notice the, res the response is all of the, the answers that are given have one thing in common, all of the prophets that are referenced the dead. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So people recognized in Jesus, purely from the human point of view, they saw him speaking and performing things that were super, supernatural. He was superhuman. He was a superman. They recognized this. But yet the vision, their understanding was still too earthbound. It was still too limited. And so Jesus then points the question, who do you say that I am? And it's Simon who, under the inspiration of the Father, discloses his identity as the Messiah, the Christos. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So not only is he given insight from heaven to identify him as the Messiah, whom all of the people of Israel expected to come at some point, but to be a Messiah of divine origin was a whole nother thing. And this, for Jesus, was the confirmation that it was the Father's will that the establishment of the new and eternal covenant, the temple, the kingdom that will be visible on earth but not fully realized until the age to come would be established on the stone foundation of Peter. He changes his name. This isn't just like how we give somebody a nickname. This is a name, when a name is changed in the, in the biblical sense, it means this person is being designated by God to have a significant role in the work and plan of salvation. And for those of us who know Simon, who is now called Petros, or Kepha, we know he was a rocky personality. <laughs> today he gives the, the, the right answer, getting it right. He gets it right today. Next week we're going to see how things unfold. As Jesus begins to, to disclose what this kingdom will look like and who the Messiah is in truth and how will it be established for ages to come. So much so, this kingdom, this body of believers, this community will be such that the, the gates of hell, the reality of the whole kingdom of darkness will never prevail against it. That's saying something. And that's also something that was certainly uh, meaningful to the disciples at the time because as they look at this wall, that was one of the things that when the Hebrew children were being brought into the promised land and conquering one Gentile nation after another that God had promised them that would be theirs, one of the most intimidating things they would see these, 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 these kingdoms were, were all uh, protected and, and, and hemmed in by these walls, these huge walls. How, how can we get through? Remember Jericho, the walls came tumbling down with the blowing of the trumpets. This, this was, uh, so in a way, Jesus is saying, you see how here, this, these walls, my kingdom will have no end. And this is a fulfillment of the prophecies of ages past. That when we hear the Annunciation, when Mary was told how she would conceive this reality, 
The, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The, the child to be born unto you shall be holy, the Son of God. And he shall give him the throne of his father David. And for his kingdom there shall be no end. In this kingdom, very much in keeping with the tradition of the kingdoms of, of the past, of the Davidic line, it will have a hierarchy. And Peter is being established as we hear in the first reading from the 22nd chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah. Shebna was given the keys of the kingdom. He was given the office of the authority of the king. He would rule in participation in the charism of the king who was to rule in a twofold manner as, as, a, as a ruler but also as a priest. A ruler who would govern his people as a father, who would always look for the best for his subjects. But he would also realize in the priestly charism, his was to continue to be offering sacrifice, putting oneself out there as a way of being a conduit between the people and God. Shebna did a, was, was in a despicable way. He he was doing a terrible job. And so we hear this passage today, it's being taken away from him, but handed to another. Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, would be the one who would take over the office of prime minister. He would be that chief steward of the kingdom in the stead of the king. So Peter has been elevated to this reality. And we know that this is significant because in every one of the Gospels, whenever we have the listing of the apostles, Peter's name is first. We look at the writing of the Gospels, even to the Acts of the Apostles. Apart from the name of Jesus, the name of the, name of the only other name that's mentioned more, second, second only to Jesus, is Peter. Peter is named more, is second. He's the most, after Jesus, he is referenced more than any other person in the New Testament. So there is a primacy that's established here. The foundation of this kingdom, Peter is not being established as the church. He's being established as a rock upon which the ecclesia, the Greek for the community, that the community will be based. And each one of us have, have the benefit of this authority of this leadership, albeit over the years, just as the kings of the past and in the, the kingdom of David and, and all of the descendants of David's successors, they were not always the best of leaders. There were great disappointments and problems. We see that even in the, in the age of the new and eternal covenant, we've had some popes that have been quite, uh, quite scandalous. And yet, and still, we see how the word of Jesus holds true. Even with the great scandals, with the disappointments and so forth, the kingdom is intact. It still pervades, and it will pervade, because this is of a divine mandate. God has chosen to establish this relationship with two realities, both divine and human. It's for you and I to pray for the grace to make distinction between the human agency of the church and the divine agency of the church that will help us to offset a lot of things that cause us anxiety and stress in our day and time. In fact, listen to how St. Paul speaks of it today. 
It's a short, a short passage, but if you want to get a fuller context of what St. Paul is saying, take time and go back to the same letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Start with chapter 9 and read up to, to what he says today, and you'll gain a better understanding. But what we have Paul doing, Paul is theologizing. He's considering the entire mystery of how God has established this, this kingdom, this reign of Christ, till the end of time. And, he, and he's basically saying, it, it, you know, when you stop, it, it's hard. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's too much for one to fully comprehend. It's unfathomable that God would do this, and yet it is what it is, and it's pervading. How can it be? And so he speaks about how oftentimes we have that same conversation with the Lord ourselves. We're like, Lord, what are you doing? I mean, how much longer must this go on? You see what's happening. Come on. What gives? But the Lord reminds us through the, very, the many writings, and it's actually in one of Peter's epistles uh, appropriately. Peter says what many consider as delay, God delaying the consummation of all things, the, the perfecting of this reality, what we consider it to be delay, it's not delay at all, but it's God's divine patience because he wants everyone to be saved. He wants all of humanity to come to know, to know and believe in this truth that is made known. What are we to do with it? You know, we have to understand ourselves, we're not just another denomination of Christians in the world. This is a kingdom. The church is the kingdom of God which is at hand. And the mission of the church is to proclaim salvation to the world. Each one of us has an authority in Christ. Doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. God knows we do and will. But what we are ultimately being called to is fidelity. Belief in this. That this is happening. It has happened and is happening. And it's happening in a way that, again, it's beyond our imagining. What a, what, it's, it, but it's so good to hear someone as great as St. Paul speak of how, uh, 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 how unsearchable. Who has been his counselor? Sometimes people will talk to me about the things that are going on in the world, and I said, listen, it doesn't make any sense to me either, but I can assure you, he hasn't been coming to me for counsel. He hasn't sought me out for counseling. I'm like you. I am at his mercy. We have been put into this situation as a result of God's divine providence. And when you think about the beautiful writing of the psalm today, Psalm 138, Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. A work that is in process. We are all the work of his hands. We are all in process. And you recount how he has done what he has done. Lord, the Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees and the proud he knows from afar. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Your kindness, O Lord, is for all time, from all eternity, and now made known to us. The gospel value of our school community this year is kindness. I heard it, I read it not long ago in, in, a, in a book by uh, the late priest, the divine priest of the Society of the Divine Word Missionaries, Father Lavasik. 
he opens up in a book, he's written a book on it entitled Kindness, and the first line of the book, what the world needs now more than ever is kindness. The world needs more kindness, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, by the way. So we take courage today in the confession of, of Peter, in the change of name that God has given to Peter, that he chose of all the 12, he chose the one that is most identifiable, the one who presents the human nature as it is. And yet he's one that God knows will model what it looks like to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. We're encouraged today to remain steadfast in our faith, which is based on a rock foundation. And the capstone of this reality is Christ Jesus the Lord, who is the chief shepherd of the flock. God love you.